You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this brand new episode. We're going to be talking about a, a practice that I have been learning to perfect, not perfect, but to get better at. Um, I still I still struggle with this sometimes, Sua, so I'll be very honest and vulnerable about it. But I'm grateful that we're going to talk about this because you suggested we do an episode on this. But before we do that, we have a question, right, Sua? What is Can the you hear my dog you- barking? I cannot hear Luna barking. Okay. No. Sorry. Continue. Question. But, but Question. I can see you wearing that big, thick sweater, hiding all your muscles. Um, I'm not <laughs> going to go into the results of my recent finding where I was um, informed that I am rather alarming, alarmingly under-muscled. But I will not go into that because it's too <laughs> embarrassing and humiliating. Well, I, I just got to say, she, I, um, I've been very... I've been encouraging Sue to do deadlifts and uh, she just shared with me that. No, no, I will tell you, I will report mm-hmm. back the real number once I get myself to a gym okay. with an actual squat rack and can figure it out. So um, I, I, I think you can do, I think you can easily, if you train for a month, do 225 easily easily okay but That's just you know it. but i'm like not a competitive person and so you know like w- like powerlifting. oh my gosh my chickens are in my front yard again your chickens get out are of there who lives in an area where they, where they can say oh my, my god my chickens, my chickens are in my front yard my chickens of course Sua's decided house. that they are going to come into the front yard and find bugs in my mulch and so what they do is they keep pushing out all the mulch into like my walkway and then you discipline when- them Usually what John does is he gets his leaf blower, starts blowing at them, and then they run away. But right now I can't go leaf blow because I'm doing my wait, podcast. Wait, how many chickens do you have? How many chickens have, do you have? I have nine. You have nine. And do they make uh how many uh how many hens and you know what's I have the, eight what's hens the and one rooster because apparently that's the right you need a minimum of eight hens per rooster so that the, the rooster doesn't um become frustrated, if you know what I mean. But I will tell mm-hmm. you that um, you know. If you have children and then you get these animals, it's like an interesting um, experience for the children to watch what nature looks like in real life. Because in the beginning, you know, remember, we we raised these chickens from when they were chicks. They were literally yeah. a day old when we got them. And so they've been like feeding them and playing with them. And then one day you wake up and like the freaking rooster is like trying to mate with like the chickens and, and the chickens scream. Like the chicken scream. And then my girls don't like it because they're like, she doesn't like it. Get off of her. So Lila would take the rake and she would just start like hitting the rooster to get off of the chickens. And then John's just sitting there being like, Lila, let let nature take its course. This is just part of like. That's right. But they scream, PP, and it's it's very troubling. Like, and they each have a unique scream. So you know which one it is. Like yeah, in so the morning when I'm walking to the bus, like I'll hear the scream. And then Audrey will be like, it's lemon cake. He's jumped oh. on lemon cake. Like oh she'll know which gosh. one. Oh my gosh! Very Wait troubling. a minute. So, so do you get eight eight eggs a day? No, no, no. I get eight about eggs every day, don't they? No, um, I get no? about be, anywhere between like four to seven eggs per day. So you don't you don't ever buy eggs then? No. That's fantastic. We're yes. talking cage free. We're talking or super organic. Super organic. I'm literally I'm looking at them right. Now. I'm getting so annoyed because I can already see that they're making a mess. But anyways. It's organic, but in terms of like the ROI, it's not great because to buy these chicks and then to make a chicken coop and then to buy their yes. feed and then do all this work so that I can get like a carton of egg like every other day, like that that's not really worth it. 
You know what I mean? What was that animal that John wanted you to buy so you could like, you know, like uh, cut, oh like shave the wool? The alpacas. And yeah, one of his patients recently offered so him money. an alpaca. And I was like, no. Oh, no. Yes, yes, yes. Anyways. Yes. No, okay, no. yes. I have a question. Anyway. Okay, what's the question? My question is, and you know what? This would go back to your time in the marketplace, you know, when you used to work at yeah. MSNBC. MSNBC, yeah. Right. That's right, right? MSNBC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. You were MSNBC, an editor. Yep. Were you an editor? No, I was a, a producer. Producer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's say you were having a talk show. And I know you've been watching yes. the morning show. Um, so I love if the you, morning show. <laughs> so if you had a show and you were like Oprah or whomever, who would be the one guest that you would want to have on your show? Why are you Honestly? laughing? Yeah. No, it better it, not be it's, Jesus. It's, it better not be Jesus. No, no, no. It, listen, it's got to be somebody that's alive. It cannot be somebody who's dead. Oh, oh, really? Right? It's got. Yeah, of course. You can't be like, well, I'm going to invite, you know, like, no, it's got to be somebody who's alive right now. Who would you invite right now that's alive? Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, for me, um, I would love to invite Michael Jordan and interview him. Hmm. Yeah. And and, you know, just to kind of go deeper, because, you know, like usually when he comes on these shows, he's like, you know, I'm the greatest of all time, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Fine. But I'd be like, but Michael. Can we go a little beneath beneath the surface of why you always have to say you're the greatest of all time? Like, just go deeper. Like, why do you always have to be the best at everything? What are you compensating for, bro? Mm. How much shame do you live in every single day? That's what I would love to do. But anyway, so I think I'd be an amazing talk show host. Cause I'll get canceled in like in like two episodes. But uh, <laughs> I'll just go deeper and be like, what are you compensating for? Like, I I watched your Hall of Fame speech. Why do you have to announce? All the time that you're, the, everyone knows you're the greatest basketball player. Why do you still think that maybe somebody doesn't believe it, right? Like I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what is going on in your heart. Like what kind of insecurities you carry, bro? Anyway, so that's I think I would, I, I, would I would be answer, one of those. Though. I think he would answer it, and my hope, my ultimate hope, Sua, is that he would start crying. Like I would start to go deeper. I'd be like, Michael, what, what is it about you where you have to keep proving that you're the best? I keep telling people that you're the greatest player of all time. We all know you're the greatest player of all time, but what is it? What's going on? What's the level of shame that you're living in that uh, that we have to uncover? So my hope is that he would answer it, but my real hope is that he would start crying, Sua. I would hope that he would start crying because as you start to become more self-aware many times, you actually, it's very emotional as you grow in self-awareness. So I don't know. I, th I think I could be a pretty good talk show host. I think it would be riveting television, man. I think Michael Jordan is share deep things in his life and uh, and the things he really struggles with. I think that could be, I think that'd be good for television. I mean, I wonder what that would be like though, because Michael Jordan is such a hero, like a superhero a hero. to so many people who grew up. He would be even a, a greater generation. hero if he was vulnerable. Yeah. Only in the ecology of our current podcast. Listen, listen. But I don't no, know if everyone, the world would everyone see it like that. Everyone will, will respect him even more if he became vulnerable. There is n nothing that can go bad, you know? They will respect him more if he just shared more of his uh, insecurities and stuff like that. So I'm like, I literally, know. I can't think of one. I, I, I know it was my question. Come on. It was such a Are fun you serious? question. You wouldn't. There's got to be somebody you would want to invite. Somebody famous on a talk show know. that people would want to watch. Come on. I don't know. Really? I, don't know. I mean, maybe I'll invite Taylor Swift. There you go. I'm really into Taylor Swift, uh, you know, and her whole... Why, you know, I know a lot of people are really annoyed about... No, I know... No. So apparently my my daughters have declared that they are not Swifties. Um, mm. Lila says she's kind of like 
into it, but I told her you are either a Swifty or you're not. Like, there's no kind of into Wait, it. Are okay? you a Swifty? Are you a Swifty? I like, I'm a Swifty. My kids are not. Really? I went to watch Taylor Swift back You when. saw her in concert? I mean, multiple times. And I saw her, like, no, when she, I saw serious? her in concert when she had her second album. So this is new. And you know who I went with? Wow. I went with Christy Vinson and um, Katie Vinson and Jen Shin. Wow. Yeah, this is like years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Wow. Maybe I just, you know, you, anyway. I just, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm just so curious, like, about this whole Kelsey. Okay, you're going to invite Taylor Swift to your talk show. Whoa, well, whoa, maybe whoa, she'll whoa, bring Travis Kelsey, you know? Swift. No, like, maybe she'll bring Travis Kelsey. Oh. I'm so curious whether it's a real romance or it's like a public public it's like, gotta relations. it's gotta be a real romance she goes to every game there's no way she would go to every game if and it's not real so that's what i've been thinking and not to make make this into like a whole thing about like kelsey taylor kelsey and swift but yeah she's so successful that there's no reason why she needs more pr do you know what i mean like there's no reason why she needs to sacrifice the her nfl needs more pr that's life. why they wanted to right. come at every and, game but also you know on one hand i was like is kelsey using taylor swift for her money because apparently Apparently, Curry is the highest paid NBA player, but Taylor Swift makes what he makes annually in three days. So, like, she's just a whole different level. Do you know what I'm saying? No, she um, but, she honestly, like, I'm not I'm I'm not a Swifty, but she is a she's a cultural phenomenon. I mean, I the mean, power that she has on on our culture, yeah, is really ridiculous. Like, I just you know, like, honestly, I have no I have no. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen that kind of influence since like, Oprah, since like the Michael Jackson days, you know, like back, like just to somebody who had that kind of like power and culture, like Michael Jackson back in the day. Like, I mean, the guy was just he was larger than life. And Taylor Swift, really, I mean, I'm not a fan of her music, but I got to say, man, what the, the power that she has on this culture is pretty amazing. It's and pretty it's weird it's, 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 because it's, um, it's so weird because, you know, she was so relevant even when i was in my early 20s i want to say because she's like about 10 mm -hmm. years younger than me actually a little less than 10 years younger than me but she just has continued to remain relevant i don't understand yeah, you know like she, it's, she it's really just is. she's just has not lost any momentum and in fact she just and you gotta ask her yeah you gotta ask her and of, say, how yeah, are you like, able to do how that? do you stay relevant you know yeah and how do you just continue honestly i'm just gonna be honest she she doesn't like she has a decent voice but she doesn't have like this amazing voice you know and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, she's. Yeah, just I wouldn't amazing. say like, it's her voice. I'm, I'm, yeah. So I'm just curious what if she has a secret because usually you have these bands and they're really, really big for a certain time, and then the only yeah. people who really listen to you are your old, yeah. like old fans that listen to your music at right. a certain time of their lives. Right. But she's yeah. just just continuing to gain more and more um, followers and fans through the generations, and she has not lost any momentum. And I'm just so curious, like how she's done that. I I wonder if she would lose momentum if she got married. You think? Like, I know in, like, in Korean culture, like, that kind of happens, right? Like, you know, if you're really famous and you get married, you just kind of lose your fame a bit, you know? So kind of a thing. So there's, uh, I don't know. But anyway, but yeah, but she really is impressive. So, okay, Taylor Swift. I nice. would say no, because like Adele that. didn't lose any of her momentum after she got married. And then she had a divorce. Oh, she's married? And then Adele's she, married? Well, she was married, and then she had a divorce. And then when okay. she got a when she was going through her divorce, people were like, this next album's going to be freaking amazing. Do you know yeah, what but, I mean? But, so, but I think Taylor Swift is at a different level than Adele, don't you no, think? It, yes, yeah, but I also yeah. don't think, I think the difference is that Taylor Swift is not like, you know, a kind the kind of artist that, 
it's not like BTS and the army girls. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not, she's not yeah. sexualized. Yeah. Like, I don't think people like mm-hmm. Taylor Swift because she's sexy and she's mm-hmm. hot. Like I think the most of Taylor Swift's fans are actually girls who grew up yeah, with her. True. And so yeah. I don't really think it would affect any, if anything, it would actually make her more popular because it's, it's kind of like she's entering a life stage that probably a lot of her cohorts are entering or thinking of entering. Right. So now we, this has become the gotta, theology of Taylor Swift. So we should probably move on. But all I got to say is Kelsey, you better treat her good because if you don't, she's going to write a couple of songs about it, man. It's going to be, it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be dangerous. But anyway. Um, okay. So let's, let's shift. Uh, Taylor Swift can be part of our talk topic for today uh, because we're going to talk about Sabbath. We're going to talk about Sabbath. How is Taylor Swift going to be part of the Sabbath? I, you know, I'll tell you later. I'll tell doesn't you later. Doesn't seem to take a Sabbath. Uh, you know, Taylor, yeah, definitely. I don't think so, but uh, it it could be a part of your Sabbath. Actually, it won't be part of my Sabbath, <laughs> but it could be a part of your Sabbath. All right, we'll Are get you, to it a little Christina bit. Is Christina or Kayla Swifties? Christina is the biggest Swiftie. Oh, she ever. is. Okay, she, all right. She and Janelle went this week to watch the Janelle concert Steve Bang's that wife, they paid wife. money for to watch in person. That they spent money to watch it on the yeah, movie they want to screen. relive the experience i mean it's a, it's just ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous how how much christina loves taylor okay, swift sorry i, just, I, 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 I um, like i said it's, I, it's borderline again. idol worship i think i would be very upset but anyway yeah <laughs> speaking she, I, th- I think christina needs to reflect on that on a sabbath but anyway so why did you want to talk about sabbath let's talk to our audience a little bit about this why did you want to talk about sabbath um no i just i just thought it was a top i don't think we've done have we done one on sabbath maybe we have but i've just been thinking about it we've lately. talked about sabbath but we have never done an yeah, episode on sabbath. which was surprising yeah. to me because i feel like I, I just can't believe we haven't done one on sabbath right maybe okay we have maybe we have i don't know well you know what i've learned over the years is that majority of christians do not observe a sabbath they just don't and and some, and then what I would say, majority of Christians don't. Uh, some think that they're actually observing a Sabbath, but they're really not. And so I think it is good for us to talk about this because I think Christians today, they think Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath, is optional, right? It's an optional thing, but it shouldn't be optional. Uh, biblically speaking, you know, uh, when you don't observe a Sabbath, you're actually committing a sin. And over the years, I've, I've actually said that to to folks at our church, on our staff, especially to the guys um, who don't observe a Sabbath. Because, you know, at Metro, uh, it's really huge. If you work, if, if you're on staff and you don't observe a regular Sabbath, I mean, I'll, you're, you'll eventually get let go. Because I am not going to allow you to sin while I know you're sinning on a weekly basis by not observing a Sabbath. And I'm going to be okay with that. So I, it's um... very... It's very important for us to do, observe a Sabbath. What Can you I say? say something that maybe you will disagree with? Yes. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if like, the okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you're saying if you don't have a dedicated day in your week to be for it to be your Sabbath, you're sinning. And I don't know if I agree with that completely, because while I definitely think that a Sabbath should be a priority, I feel like to make it into this... Um, legalistic thing and say you if you don't do this you are sinning kind of um, makes me question um, well first of all why are we choosing that one commandment versus all of the other ones and not applying those but also what about in the seasons of your life where you just can't take a sabbath when you say that it's 
a sin, it makes it seem as if it's such a cut and dry black and white thing that we're not yeah. taking into account certain scenarios in people's lives. For example, like if you have a newborn baby, you can't take a Sabbath. If you are going through a time in your fi- like life where you're just in a really difficult financial situation, you need to hustle um, as because given that it's a season of your life, hopefully. And I think we're, t- I think what bothers me about that, not that I necessarily yeah. 100% disagree with it, is that we're not taking into account the fact that there's some privilege related to this idea of Sabbath. Sure, if you have a staff member in at Metro who's not taking a Sabbath, when you're literally yeah. telling him or her you you are allowed to build this in, yes. But what if you work for a company and they don't allow you to take a Sabbath? That's right. like not part of the company culture. Then is it really a sin? Like is sin the right way to phrase something like that? What do you think? I think it is. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's, it's part of the Ten Commandments. And you know, just because Jesus came and died on the cross doesn't mean he nullifies the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments still very important. Um, Jesus did uphold the Sabbath. I know he healed on the Sabbath, you know, and things like that. But he also observed it. We find that the disciples did as well. Uh, I just think we have to be careful. Uh, Listen, there are moments, there are seasons when you can't. um, But if it becomes a habitual practice, you actually will break down. You will cause yourself harm, physical harm, spiritual harm, because you're not resting. You're You're not getting to a place where you're allowing God to really minister to you and you're denying how God made you, right? You're really denying how God wired us. God did wire us to rest, to spend the day in rest. And so I think the situations that you're giving Sua are very like extreme, but the reality is for a lot of us, we do have a choice, right? We do have a choice and we have to be careful and we have to understand that if this is going to be a practice that we hold as something that's very important to us, we've got to do what we can to live it out and observe it the best we can. And, and we have, as Christians, I, I, I really believe we have really taken out the importance of Sabbath in our lives and we've made it very optional. And we say stuff like, you know what? Like, yeah, it's important. We should do it, but it's okay if I don't do it. And I think to, to understand the reality of this, theologically speaking, when you think about it, you know, in the Old Testament, um, you know, there were two significant theological themes of why the people of God really upheld the Sabbath. And, you know, you see that with Jesus in the Gospels and how the Pharisees really upheld it. It wasn't like they're were, they were just so anal about it, but the Sabbath was so critical for them because uh, the two themes is one is, is imitating God. When you take a Sabbath, you're imitating God because God created the world in six days and God needed to rest. So if God needed to rest, then who are we to say that we can't rest, right? So God took the day off. He rested. He took a Sabbath. And so part of why we take a Sabbath is we are imitating God. We're trying to be more like God, right? And so that's one. The other aspect or the other theological significance of Sabbath is this idea that we are actually no longer slaves, And that's why the Jewish people took it so seriously, because when they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, they couldn't take a Sabbath. They were not able to do it because they didn't have a choice. They were slaves. And the reason why they took the Sabbath so seriously wasn't just to uh, affirm that they're 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 imitating God, but it was also this 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 important reality, again, saying that we are no longer slaves. And the, and the thing about what I've noticed, and this is only within my context, I can't speak in other contexts, is we all have a choice. We all have a choice many times. And people are choosing not to take a Sabbath and they would rather work. And so I think a lot of it um, has to do with this reality of, yeah, of, of, of deciding and deciding to just keep going and not slowing down. 
And uh, and many of us were just enslaved, we're enslaved to our job. Now, childbearing is different. Being a mother and being a parent is very different. That's seasonal. You know, that's a very seasonal, that's a part of a life. But it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's different from like working from your full-time vocation. When the biblical, biblically speaking, like Jesus and, 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 and in the Old Testament, they didn't expect a mom or a dad to stop being a mom and a dad. You know, that's not it. It's really from your full-time vocation, from the work that you do full-time. You know, I do believe that if a mom is home all the time, you know, uh, and they're, uh, uh, they're, they're tending to their children, that it would be really great if the husband can give the wife some time off so that they, she can have some time for herself and do what she wants to do. Or we'll vice talk a versa the for the stay-at-home dads. <laughs> yeah, or the stay-at-home dad. Yeah. That it's important to make sure that you're ministering to your spouse and saying, you know what, I'm going to make sure that my wife or my husband is going to take some time off. And they're going to be able to do what they want to do and, and be able to rest and not have to be with the kids all day. Because, you know, as well as I do, especially you, Sue, you know, that when you're when you're taking care of your kid 24, seven, uh, seven days yeah, for every single day, it's just it's it's overwhelming. And so I just think um, that's that's the reason why. And I know I'm a little I'm a little black and white on this. I think there are seasons where it just it doesn't, it, you know, definitely there, there's nothing you can do about it. But if you say if you come to me and say I can't, my job won't let me, quit your job, find another job. Like it's like it doesn't have to. I just I just don't you, I don't think it's a good for you to be a part of a work at a job where they're not going to give you a day off. And that's really not the case for most people, especially in my context when they often get Saturday and Sundays off, right? Usually, right? Well, Usually. I mean, but, yes, but I also think there is an expectation that. You might you you might be off, but you're also kind of working behind the scenes. But I, you know, I think what I'm fighting right, back against right. is this whole idea of like there's a day that you take as your Sabbath, and that you the whole day you just don't you refrain from work. And to me, I don't really know if that like really fits in in the way I think about the whole Sabbath idea because I feel like that's kind of missing the point. Like I feel like yes abstaining from your work is one part of it but I also feel like if all you're doing on your quote-unquote sabbath is abstaining from like your occupation I don't really know if that is necessarily that's the first step but I feel like there should be something it's that the first you step do. like there right. it should be followed with something that you actually do versus just I'm just mm -hmm. not working because yeah, I think yeah. the way most people's um kind of minds and emotions work is we need to direct them towards something. And that's why I think it's really difficult when you tell somebody just don't work that day, because then their no. next question is, okay, well then what do I do instead? Yeah, you exactly. Know? Exactly. And so there's, there's just, there's, there, there are components. So it's more than just not working, but that's the first thing. Cause if you work and you can't take a Sabbath, it's just right. impossible. You just can't. So yeah. So the four stages of Sabbath or the four elements of a real good Sabbath. Well, first of all, Sabbath is sort of like a 24-hour period that you should try to do on a weekly basis with, you know, with regularity. When I say regularity, I mean, like, if, if your Sabbath is a Sunday, then let it be Sunday, like most of the times. You know, there are times you might have to move it, but you should have a day in the week where you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to observe a Sabbath. And when you observe a Sabbath, basically what you're doing is the first thing you're doing is you're stopping, right? You're stop, you're stop working. You're not going to work for that 24-hour period. One of the things I'd highly encourage and I'd encourage our folks to do, especially on staff, is turn off your phones if you can. Don't log on. Whatever it is, like turn off just fast from like technology because I think we're so overwhelmed with technology. It's just overwhelming us these days. Fast from technology for the day. It's important, right? Um, and, and, and definitely don't work. The, other, the second part of taking a Sabbath is resting, right? 
finding a time where you can actually rest, whatever it be, taking a nap, whatever it might be, but resting or maybe sleeping in a little bit more than you normally do. That's a good thing. But the third aspect of it is actually delighting. You got to do something you really enjoy doing, like just something that you actually delight in. That's why the Sabbath is there. So what do you delight? That's why I said Taylor Swift can be part of the show, because if you like listening to Taylor Swift, you should do that on your Sabbath. If it's delighting you and it's causing sort of like a, a, a it's, it's affirming and building up like your soul rather than destroying your soul. Because if you're going to binge watch something like binge watch something for like eight, nine hours, I don't think that's going to really build up your soul, but something that's actually going to be good at like building up your soul, whatever it might be. Right. So you do something that you delight in. And the last thing is you contemplate, you spend some time contemplating, meaning kind of like getting to a space where you get to really kind of process who you are and contemplation is inviting silence to be a part of, of your day to some level so that you can kind of receive a revelation from God. That's the hope, right? That's the hope. Because if you're taking a Sabbath and you're not connecting with God in some ways, then you're actually defeating the purpose of actually observing a Sabbath. But that's really uh, the practice of a Sabbath. And that's kind of what we teach at Metro. And I don't know if that helps people who are listening, um, but I think that's the four things that 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 we like to encourage our people to do. Uh, and, and we get the stuff from actually from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality from Pete Scazzaro and, um, you know, a guy who I believe is truly, you know, perfected the idea of taking a Sabbath. So, I mean, anyway, I think it's interesting does that help? That we have, I mean, I think it's, you know, I still agree and also slightly disagree because I, you know, <laughs> in my own personal experience, I don't really think um, like 24 hours works for me. Uh, because of the way my life is structured. But I do consider when my kids go to school that I consider that time my Sabbath. So maybe it accumulates into a 24 hour period plus. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I say, I think it's more about the quality than the quantity. And I'm not discounting the quantity. There can be no quality if you don't have the, like, yeah. the quantity first. So you need to set apart a time. But I guess for me, it's like, I see a lot. And I'm going to try to re re uh, sort my thoughts so that it actually sounds like it makes something like sense. But um, it's interesting because the fact that we have to allocate a Sabbath is such an interesting concept because I was listening to a podcast um, a couple months ago and the guy was talking about how um, we, because we work so often with technology in our modern world, which has no built in breaks. Like you just, it's constantly yeah. plugged yeah. in and yeah. you can work yeah. on your computer all night long. Yes. We have electricity. Yes. So we are not confined yes. to the limits of day and night. Um, yeah. It's not like back in the day when you have horses and cows and they need to take a break. Like you cannot be working them like all around the clock. Like there's certain rhythms that you have to respect because you know, you cannot work your, like ride your horse 24 hours, seven days a week, you know, or if, you're doing farming and it's an agricultural, like, you know, um, context, there are seasons in that farming where it's very, very busy. And then there's seasons in the farming where it's a lot more slow. And so I think back in the day, it made a lot more sense to have these rhythms and to take a break. But I think the world we live in now, you know, there's nothing that limits us from being as efficient as we possibly can, because electricity you charge your phone, your computer is plugged in, you can work on it literally every single day, every minute, and you never, there's no limits on that, you know? And so I think but that's the, an excuse. I think that's no, an so excuse. I'm saying, that's a cop right, so, out. No, yeah. no, no. So I'm saying, I think that's why people don't even think about, whereas that's like right. back in the day, it was already yeah. built in. Like nobody would be like, yeah, I'm going to ride my horse every single day and never give him a break. But now you don't really think about, you don't even think about it. Like you don't even think about whether this is, you know, good or bad for me. Um, 
and going back to your Michael Jordan, like, yeah. Um, reference. I think that there is something in hum like humanity that makes us always want to do more. Like it's like nothing is ever enough. And I wonder yes, if yes. it has something to do with, I was thinking about, I was thinking about this because I'm not going to name my kid. I'm going to say it's one of the kids. I can't say who it is because I'm trying to respect their privacy, guess. but no, don't All guess. Right. But um, this right. one child really likes to pile on the food on her plate, like at dinner time. you know, like in Korean meals, like you have like the panchans, like the different like side yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah. and you eat as you go. But this one particular child just loves to pile it on her plate. And she usually doesn't even because finish. Because she doesn't want to go back and get more probably. No, that's no, it's right in front of her. It's on the table. Okay. The right. problem is there's this insatiable like desire for more and also simultaneously the fear that there will not be enough. Okay. Yes. And I feel like that actually speaks to the broader context yes. of who we are as people. And I wonder if it has something to do with like, you know, um, in Genesis, when Adam, you know, God says, curse is the ground because of you. And, you know, um, it will be like a challenge for you. The ground will not produce enough fruit for you. It will be a struggle. And I feel like ever since then, there's been this like scarcity mindset in people where there's never going to be enough for me. You know, like there's not going to be enough food. There's not going to be enough money for me. There's not going to be enough success, whatever. And I feel like we, and I think that plays into the whole refusing to take a Sabbath because somewhere in our minds and souls, we really believe like we we are not enough. Like there is not enough. And we always right. operate from that like place of like scarcity. Do you know? I mean, I'm not think, excusing the yeah, yeah, that, but but, but I think, that's, I think but, that's why it's so hard. But I know? think the reality is is that that's the reason why people don't take Sabbaths because they come to that realization because they're not observing a Sabbath. When you talk to people who actually observe a Sabbath, they wouldn't think like that, you know, because they know that they're not God, that they don't they don't control necessarily all the outcomes in their world. And one of the beautiful things. The, the most beautiful byproduct of the Sabbath is to realize that God's in control, that it's not you. And that's why you can take a day off. Why? Because God's in control. And that you can do something that you actually love doing that brings you delight, that you can rest. You can actually spend some time connecting with God and that he can give you some revelations about yourself and about other things and things like that. And that you can just stop working because the enemy, I think it's really the enemy wants you to believe in this lie, this lie that you need more Mm -hmm. That you need to continue to increase your standard of living because you don't need to do that. That you got to keep doing all of this. And because we start to believe in these things, we think we can't take a day off. And we work jobs that we hate, but we just do it because it makes a lot of money. You know, things like that. But when you're able to take a day off fully and you're trying to focus it more on God and resting and care, and, and it's like a part of self-care, you begin to realize, wait a minute, God, you start to believe it. God is really in control of my life. It's not me. It's God. And that's the invitation that God gives to us when we take a Sabbath. The invitation is, will you come to the realization that you're not the God of your own life, that you don't control all the outcomes? Will you actually believe that it's me, that I am sovereign, that I'm here? And, and one is so much better than seven and zero. You know, like working, working six days, taking one day off, then working five days, uh, then working uh, seven days and never taking a day off. God knows he created us. He knows how he's wired us. And he created us for a Sabbath rest. He really did. It's important for us to rest in that way. It's more than just for our horses. It's more than for our animals. It's for us. It's so that we can live in a deeper loving union with God. That's why the Sabbath is there. So yeah, so like we shouldn't like 
you know, and the Pharisees took it to the point where it became like, you know, like they start using it against ammunition against Jesus. Like it shouldn't be about that, but it really, it allows us to rest, to realize. And that's why it's so important in our church, especially for our staff is because in ministry, you can easily think, okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. But it's really important to like have people slow down because if we're not going to slow down, like I just, I, I don't know how God speaks to us. We're not going to slow down. God doesn't, God speaks to us in the margins of our life many times, but if we don't have any margins to give him, he's not going to speak to us in those ways. If we're constantly like working and busy and busy and we're doing all these things, God's not going to speak to us. And that's even the same case with ministry. When I'm overwhelmed and I'm doing so much ministry, many times God doesn't really speak to me in those moments. He speaks to me when I sort of created margins so that he can start to speak into my life. And that's, I think that's really the purpose of a Sabbath and why we need to observe a Sabbath. And the other things, like at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, you can look at that and say, well, that's one of the reasons why I don't. But at the end of the day, are excuses. We can, we actually can do this. That if we really, I mean, it's going to be hard in the beginning, but we actually can do this if we really work hard at it and, and, and sort of figure it out and plan it out. I think it can be something that can be done. And I, and I just want to encourage our audience that I think it's really important that you do. You know, it is a part of the Ten Commandments, and as Christians, we should do our best to continue to live out the Ten Commandments. It's something that we should not take lightly, in my opinion. So, I also think that um, it's interesting when we talk about Jesus and like our spiritualities and like Christian faiths. Like, there's a lot of emphasis on the spiritual, you know, like, um, you know, yeah. the, the things that are not of the body. But I recently right. have been um, at in small group. We've been studying First, Second, and John first, second, and third John. Um, and there's a lot of emphasis on like Jesus's body or us mm, meeting mm, face to face mm -hmm, in one body. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the whole context is that it's because there was a lot of like false Gnostic gospels being spread at the time saying that Jesus did not come in the flesh. Jesus was just a spirit. Um, Jesus was not human. And I was thinking about what that means because, um, you know, sometimes I feel like as Christians, we kind of disregard the whole physical, anything physical is carnal. Yeah. It's bad. You know, only the spiritual yes, things yes, are good. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that unfortunately leads us to this place where we're like our spirit should be strong enough to be able to um compensate for the weakness of, or limits of our bodies but you know god made our bodies and he said it was good right he made Absolutely. our bodies and said it was good and he built in minimum six to nine hours of sleeping you know for some people it's like four hours but whatever like yeah. it, sometimes it's so mind-boggling like what god is perfect he had a good design why in the world would you create a bunch of people that need to spend a third of their lives sleeping <laughs> like it literally makes yep, no yep, sense because yep. there's you know it's like god there's so much work that needs to be done for your kingdom like why would you waste a third of our lives like in slumber you know and i think it's right there it's that whole idea of boundaries and limitations it's built into our creation um and secondly it reminds me also of the whole practice of tithing um not to bring in another controversial topic but you know i think a lot of us may think oh god needs our 10 percent. like god needs our 10 percent mm. so that he can do his kingdom work but like god owns mm. everything you know like that's right there's there's nothing that god doesn't have if he really wanted to do something it's more for us right so yeah. even the sabbath a lot of people will say, well, we have to give it unto the Lord and we can't do anything. And it's because God wants that time. Of course, God wants that time. But also it's just like tithing. It's not that God needs the time or God needs yeah. the money. It's the way he's wired us is we're so prone to idol worship that if right. we don't remind ourselves and recalibrate who Absolutely. we are and whose we are by practicing these like 
constant spiritual rhythms, yeah. we will be led astray and start Absolutely. worshiping the other things like um, our money or like yep. our efficiency or our successes or whatever our material possessions, whatever they may be. And I think these these were like the minimum ways God put in to kind of keep yep. us in check to say, come on, recalibrate, yep. recalibrate, because we get so swept away by the narrative of like these seductive idols, you know? Yeah, and that's why I get so passionate about this because I just think we were so much more faithful to living out the American dream than we are to living out the dream that God has for us. And and we do whatever we can. And it's it's it's, it's very attractive and alluring. And I, I struggle with this on the I'm a pastor, but I struggle with this regularly too. It's just like I would love to have more money. I would love to like live in a bigger house. I would love to like not worry about having to pay, you know, tuition and things like that for my kids and stuff like that would be so great. But at the end of the day, it's like, can I go and hustle more? Can I do this? This, of course, there's always things you can do to make more money and things like that. And uh, but I think I I just realized I know how God's made me, and I know what my life looked like before I was taking a Sabbath, and I know what my life is now like when I'm observing it. And I'll say this, Sua, I have never met a healthy Christian that was not observing a Sabbath. I've never met a healthy Christian, somebody who actually uh, is is growing in their relationship with God, who is not really trying to do their best to observe a Sabbath. Because part of this is that if you're working seven days a week and you're never turning it off, there's no way you're sur- living a fully surrendered life to God. You just probably want God to come and bless your fiefdom, but you're not really about being a person of the kingdom where you're truly trusting in how God wired you and made you and how he wants you to rest and he cares about you in that way where you are to rest. And if we don't do that, then we will be pulled by everything that this world is pulling us towards. And it's hard. And and I struggle with it as a pastor. I have staff members that really struggle to take a Sabbath and do it well. You know, I've noticed some staff members in the past writing emails on, on, on the days that they say that they're observing a Sabbath. And I've had to call them out on it and say, you better stop. You better stop working on your Sabbath day, you know, and stuff. And it's not about, you know, sort of like this right or wrong thing. But at the end, it's like, there's so much I think God wants you to see. And there's so there's such a, a level of peace that we receive when we observe a Sabbath because we realize God's in control. And that's that's the most important thing. And you know, peace is something that this world can never even offer because the world doesn't know how to offer peace. But it's really understanding that there is a God who actually is here and he's in control of your life. And you can just surrender yourself to him. That's all God asks us every single day. He says, will you surrender yourself to me? And Sabbath is one of the, is one of those beautiful ways in just saying, I'm going to surrender myself to you. And I know that you're in control of my life and I don't have to do everything to sort of, uh, to, to, to know that the world that I live in or my world is going to be okay. So that's why I get a little passionate about the Sabbath, but it's such an important spiritual practice that we have to observe. And I, I, I hope you know, if you're listening and you're not, it's a good question. You can just, you know, just really ask yourself is like, where, where are you in your own personal journey and practicing the Sabbath? You know, like, where are you now in this? And there's ways in how you can grow, you know, uh, in it. And, um, and maybe if you are observing it, you know, what adjustments do you have to make? Cause maybe you're not delighting, maybe you're not doing some things that they're not delighting. Maybe you're not spending time in the contemplation, you know, and things like that. So Anyway, yeah. So, you know, we don't want to be so legalistic about it, but man, it's 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 got to be something that we take very seriously and say, we got to do this on a weekly basis. One day, we got to try to take time off and just really dedicate it so that you can connect and be with God and enjoy, enjoy, uh, delight in some things that will really build up your soul. So, yeah. 
I think there's, I mean, um, there's like the distinct physical component of a Sabbath. And I think there's also the whole spiritual component of a Sabbath. And yeah. it's actually kind of funny because um, there's this author, I think her name's Ruth Haley Barton. I think she wrote, yeah, she she's wrote a book about yeah, Silence she's and Solitude. And yeah. um, she said something about how, and I'm going to butcher this, but she said something like, if you don't plan a, for a Sabbath, life will throw a Sabbath for you. So basically saying, mm-hmm. if you're not, picking a Sabbath for yourself, eventually life will come for you and it will create a Sabbath for you by illness or a mental breakdown or like, you know, a depressive episode, whatever it may be, like whatever it may look like, because our bodies were not created to be able to go, go, go without a Sabbath. It was physically our bodies were created to have breaks, to have Sabbaths. But I also was thinking about this because um, not to make it like super, you know, like spiritual or theological. Make it. No, no, but I was reading, I was reading, um, I was reading John chapter six today because that was my reading for the day. And um, I was thinking about this whole idea of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. You know, somebody recently, Mm -hmm. nameless person, Steve Bang, sent me a meme that said, I need to stop cutting cars because Jesus said he's the bread of life, not the broccoli of life. So, uh, you know, I read John seven this morning. So we're right there. We're We're so insane. We're so insane. No, but I was thinking about like how I, I just thought it was so funny because I don't even know if this is going to make sense. But, you know, in, in the beginning of it, Jesus has just fed. He's done the miracles of the mm-hmm. loaves and fish, right? So yeah. he's fed a bunch of people. And I just remember being struck by this idea of there was plenty left over, right? Like he started with so little and Philip was like, what are you going to do with this? You know, we're like, how are yep. you going to feed all these people? Yep. Yep. There's a scarcity mindset there, right? Like we don't Absolutely. have enough. And then Jesus is like, watch this. And not only did he feed exactly to the amount, there was left over. There was this sense of abundance, right? And I just remember thinking, man, like Jesus is about abundance. Like Jesus is not just about giving you exactly what you need. Even he's literally about overflowing and really defeating that idea that we have of it's just not enough. I don't have enough. You look like you want to say something. No, no, no. It's great. No, I love it. Just keep Um, going. Keep going. And then then, like the next part where he goes into the, you know, he says to the people who are following him, like, you're only following me because you got a bunch of bread, (laughs) you know, like, right. Like that's what he says. And he's like, but I have like, basically he says, come to me and believe in me and I will give you, um, you will never hunger or you will never thirst. So basically he's offering something. I'm the bread of life. Yeah. And I was thinking about first he meets the physical, right? So we have the physical boundaries, but there's also this whole spiritual where Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, it's like, what is he offering us? And I think Mm. there's one part where that's great. I think you're right. Like we have to carve out a space to do the physical abstaining from work to do the rest. But then what do we fill it with? There's this whole other component of yes, our stomachs are full with the overflowing bread, but now we need to remember Jesus is the bread of life. Like if we plug into Jesus, we will never hunger or thirst. And that's like a whole other promise that he makes, not just about physical hunger and thirst, but the hunger that we all feel as humans walking in this broken, terrible, sin-depraved world, feeling like, what do we do? Like, there's not enough. Like, there's such terrible things. How will we live through this? And Jesus is like, I'm here to tell you, you will not hunger and thirst. I'm giving you like myself. I'm not sure if that makes any sense, but I feel like that that's like a whole other thing that opens it up. Cause I always wonder, what does it mean that Jesus says I'm the Lord of the Sabbath? Like what, what would you say if somebody said, PP, what does it mean when Jesus says, does that mean we don't have to do it anymore? Cause he's the Lord of the Sabbath. What does that mean? 
No, Sabbath is, is made for human beings. It wasn't made for Jesus. He's God. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what he was saying there. It's like Sabbath was made for you guys. It wasn't made for I'm Lord over the Sabbath, meaning mm. he's God. So why would he have to observe a Sabbath mm. when he's God? You know, but Jesus still did. He still rested. He still observed the Sabbath. But he was making that, you know, when God wants you to do something, you do it because God is calling you to do it. And I think there are moments when that happens, but there's also, you know, there's an order that God's created us and we get pulled so many times in so many ways. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this and this is one of the things I'm going to hope to put some, I guess I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, Sue, I'm trying to like, you know, put some spiritual thoughts and, you know, put it out on Instagram and Facebook as God kind of gives it to me. But like everyone in this country, I can only speak for the United States of America, like majority of people in the Northeast. They live their lives for just moments. Like what I mean by that is like I, I, I people like there are people that are like I can't wait for the weekend. I, that, it's just it's horrible. Like I just can't wait for the weekend. Or there are people who just live for the moments of like a mm -hmm. vacation. Mm -hmm. You're like I can't wait to go on my next vacation. Like and it's like man, that's all. That's the only thing you're living for. You're just living for like a vacation that happens like three four times a year. You know, you're living for the weekends. Where you can get drunk and party, and that that's your idea of trying to numb the stuff that you're going through. And it's just like, you know, I was just thinking like, you know, God invites us to be a part of him, like to be a part, to, to allow us to live this life where God gets to be a part of the journey of this life. Mm -hmm. If we allow him to, it's an option. Like that is our choice. He doesn't force us to do that. Like, and so we don't have to live our lives moment to moment that we can live our lives regularly where God is actively in part of it. Mm -hmm. And Sabbath, what it does, that it allows God, again, to be reminded of how, how much we need God and that God is truly in control of this world and that God invites us to delight in him and to delight and to also contemplate and to grow in a deeper relationship. That's like what the Sabbath invites us to. And like I see it, I see it with people in the church. I see it with people outside the church. They're just living their lives for like a moment, like four or five days or a week of vacation or something like that. And it's so sad when every moment, if we tried, and I know, I know I'm, I'm sound like this crazy spiritual guy now when there's a, you are a pastor, moment, alert. Yeah, every moment God invites us, a God wants to be a part of every moment in our life. Mm -hmm. And so Sabbath helps us to keep us grounded in believing that. So why would we ever say, no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm just too busy. I got too much going on, but it reminds us again of who we are and whose we are. And it reminds us again, that we're a child of God. And he's our father. And we constantly need to be in that relationship with him. And that's what the Sabbath is. And that's what we have to delight in it. We should look forward to it. It shouldn't be something that should be torturous, although maybe in the beginning it might be, because sometimes we have to detox ourselves from like uh, our workaholism and things like that. But we just don't take it seriously. And it's just another part of, I think, uh, Protestantism, um, you know, that I would say that we just, again, we, we have not as Christians today, especially in this country, we just don't take seriously anymore. And pastors are, I would say, probably the most guilty of not observing a Sabbath. And I think that's very dangerous. And uh, and again, if you're a minister and you're listening and you are not living, um, you're not taking a day where you're actually resting. Like I tell this to my pastors, it's the same thing as you logging onto a porn site and masturbating. I, I, I consider it the same thing. And you're committing a sin. And as a pastor, you have to set the example for your congregation and realize that you know, God is in control. God is the one who's in control of your ministry and your call to follow and obey. And our our major, our number one calling is to live our lives the best we can every day, surrendering ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And Sabbath is one of the best ways in how we can do that and affirm um, us surrendering ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so that's why I encourage everyone to do it. Every Christian, you know, that to take it seriously, to observe it. And I guarantee you it'd be so much, uh, so much better. And um, uh, you'll be happier in the long run. It's a, it's a win-win in every way. Um, there is no loss in like nobody loses when you take a Sabbath. Nobody loses. Everyone wins. And I just don't know why Christians sometimes really fight against it. Everybody wins when they take a Sabbath. And until you really start observing it on the regular, you're not going to really know uh, the joy and the true win of what a Sabbath can can be for you. So I hope I hope people will begin to do that and begin to start living out the Sabbath more. So, yeah. What do you think, Insua? No, it's just so crazy how, um, you know, we value, or I'm, maybe I'm just looking at myself, but I really do value. I mean, you, you know what? You probably do more because, um, like, I feel like we live in a society that values efficiency so much. And actually, yes. I was, I've often thought about why, even when I was on staff at Metro, why it was so hard for me to pray. And I think it's because we, it seems very inefficient. <laughs> Mm-hmm. like an inefficient use of my time because no matter how much I pray, I'm not going to get more volunteers from doing this. I mean, theoretically, yes, but like in the actual doing, you know, yeah. and I think that's why it, it feels so, ugh, I could be doing so many other things. I could be sending mm-hmm. out emails right now. Like, why am I spending this 30 minutes praying? Yeah. It's not accomplishing anything. And I think it's it, that's one of those things that's wired in me as well. I'd yes. rather do something than to, be in, you know, be silent before God. And I think right. that is for me a form of idol worship because God's asking me to be faithful and obedient, but instead I want to be efficient. Um, right. And that is such a strong pull. And and that's and and I think that's a real I think that's a good way of looking at it the way you're you're projecting it. But at the end of the day, I think what it is is that the devil has convinced you to believe in a lie. And I think that's the one of the reasons why we don't obey the Sabbath is because right. You know, the devil's greatest power is just his ability to to help us to believe that li- his lies are actually truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, it's this belief of saying it's not just it's a, we 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 say efficiency, but at the end of the day, the devil wants us to believe that if you don't hustle right now, you're not going to get the volunteers, or if you're gonna if you're not going to hustle right now, you're not going to be able to pay off your mortgage. All these kinds of things, and uh, and they want us to believe in the lie and truly just believe in that so that we can just keep doing the best we can to be more efficient, to, to, to have a greater output and so on and so forth. And I guess the Sabbath, the great thing about the Sabbath is that it breaks us from not believing in the lie. And then we start to realize, no, no, like I know right now that less, like less is more. Like, honestly, I know like the less I do, if, if I do less, the more God will bless the ministry and the more I can get done. But when I'm doing so many things at the same time and I just don't have an opportunity to breathe, and I've been in that season, especially for two and a half years, I didn't have an executive pastor and I felt like I was doing two things and I did my best to observe the Sabbath every day. And there were times where I didn't, I, I'm not every day, every week, um, but there were times where I couldn't, but that was first season, but I always got back to doing it. But I I know without a shadow of a doubt that um, that when God's in control and I just kind of let him do his thing. I got to kind of get out of the way, let him do it. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and realizing that there's no, there is no, there's no lie that I'll ever believe of the devil. Like, especially when it comes to me doing more that I actually will think, well, maybe I should keep doing more of this. 
I've let go. I've really let go and said, you know what? God's in control and I'm just going to trust in the Lord in that. So I know it's easier said than done, but it really is important for us to believe in it. But also knowing that there is an enemy out there. And I'm not one of those guys that are saying, be careful of the devil. But his greatest goal for you is for you to be lukewarm. He doesn't want you to be cold for God. He definitely doesn't want you to be hot for God. He wants you to be lukewarm. Because when you're lukewarm, because when you get cold, you're going to want to be hot one day. You want you're going to want to get there's a higher chance of you connecting with Jesus when you're cold than when you're lukewarm. When you're lukewarm, it's you're so far away from God um and actually connecting with him and that's that's the goal that the enemy wants. Uh he wants you to believe in. So obviously the enemy would never want you to observe a Sabbath. God forbid, you know, and stuff like so um I hope I hope you take it seriously. Hope it becomes a real spiritual practice in your life so that you can grow in this practice and really flourish. Cause I think it would be amazing. Um, if you start to flourish and start to see, and you can, and you believing in your heart, not just your mind of how life giving, taking a Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath can be for you. And, uh, and I would encourage you guys to take it as seriously enough to really say, could I, could I reduce my standard of living so that I could potentially work at a job, um, that will give me an opportunity where I could take a day off rather than working at a job that requires me to work seven days a week. Uh, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. And sometimes I've, I've realized that, you know, our, our standard of living is so high that we, we decide to um, diminish, uh, you know, life just because we have to, you know, pay the bills and live a certain lifestyle. And I just don't think that's, that's another lie that the enemy wants you to do and believe so that he can get you to just to be lukewarm. So anyway, that's my spiel. That's my soapbox on the Sabbath. It's like any you know, thoughts I'm, before we close. Yeah, I'm thinking about um, the whole like lukewarm, cold, hot conversation. It's like um, I, I often think about why Jesus was so harsh by saying that yeah. it's easier for a camel to enter like, you know, the eye of a needle that not because like, you know, I'm like, I'm such a wealthy person, but I just always like, it's such a harsh illustration, you know? And, yeah. you know, to be honest, like all of us in America and the Western world are significant, like are, we're wealthy if you consider yeah. um, percentages around Super. the world. Yeah. So it's like, are we all doomed, you know? And I feel like a lot of that is really about what you're saying, which is we can live without thinking about our dependence on God. Like it's very easy to forget easy. to depend yeah. on God when yep. you have your basic needs met yep. and even plus more than that. Yep. Um, and I think it's all about that whole idea of do, are we depending on God? Do we really realize that God is the one who gives us everything and that without God, we have nothing. Like, do we really believe that? I think it's really hard to believe that when really we're, are. our stomachs are full and, you know, our kids are doing well or whatever it is. And it's always in those yeah. times of despair that we once again, come back to God and say like, God, like I need you, you mm -hmm. know, but it's really, really hard when the things are good. Um, I will say one interesting illustration is um, when I first got hired at Metro and sometimes it blows my mind how young I was. Like I was 20. How young were you again? I think I was like 26 or 27, you know, wow. so young, right? So young. Um, yeah. And yet and, so mature. I don't know about that. But I remember <laughs> when I, I was doing it full time and yes, the whole infamous story of how I got pregnant, um, I was a little bit resentful with the timing. Because I felt like I could do a really, really good job if I just didn't have a crying baby at home. Um, because I was like, man, like I could put in so many hours. I could go meet with all these community yeah. people. Like I could go do all of these programs. I could be at every single event. And I was very stressed out. Like I was pretty stressed out thinking about it because I was like, 
I don't have, I can't, I don't. And have I didn't help with that when you told me the news. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But I was also like, I literally can't find a babysitter. I can't, John's working like 80 hour weeks. I cannot yeah, find childcare. Yeah. So I cannot go to these things. Like I cannot do more than the bare minimum. Yeah. I should, probably shouldn't be confessing this to like the person who hired me and paid me, but whatever. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I think it was, those were one of the most fruitful years I've ever had. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, the whole time I was like, I don't know how this is happening. <laughs> like that was literally <laughs> like my whole attitude during those entire five years was, I don't understand yeah. how this is working. Like, I just don't yeah. get it. Like, and looking back, I remember um, thinking about all the different projects that we were able to do. Like, I just remember being completely in awe because those were, okay, I shouldn't say this, but compared to some of the other jobs that I've done, I worked way less hard yeah. at Petro. I would say still excellently in the sense that I tried my best, but there yeah. were these very specific limits placed on my time and energy that I couldn't do it. And I think that's right. why I had to mm -hmm. depend on God because I was like, God, I don't have the energy or hours to do what you're asking me to do. Um, and I knew Every time something happened, I knew that was the work of God because I knew that I had not been able, I would not have been able to do this on my own. Yeah. And I think that, you know, so I, I maybe that's why I, I'm doing this podcast because I so fondly remember those years of being completely dependent on God saying, I cannot yeah. raise, first of all, I cannot raise this crazy child without you, but also at work because of my crazy child, I cannot do the hours that I, in my logistical mind, I feel like I should be able to devote. Yeah. So Jesus take the wheel, man. Like I can't do it, you yeah. know? And, and you know, Sua, you just said a couple of things that I, I just want to highlight before we close here. Um, we have done an excellent job of not being in all of God anymore. Hmm. And part of the reason why that's the case is because we're not giving things to him and we're trying to take control of our lives and our situation. And so you said a couple of times I was in awe. I was. God wants us to be in all of him. It's part of our Christian discipleship mm. that we position ourselves in a way where we can be in all of Jesus. I mean, just when was the last time you were just in all of him? Mm-hmm. And for some of you that are listening, it's been a very long time since you've been in all of Jesus. And Sabbath invites us. It's not, you're not going to always be in all because you're taking a Sabbath, but it invites us again to realize that you have limitations. And guys, our limits are gifts. Mm -hmm. Our limits are not like negative things. They are gifts to us. And if we can learn to live within it, God will bless us even more. We'll be in more awe of him. We'll be in constant awe of who he is. And that's the thing. And I just, I just think like, you know, I really wish more Christians would be in all of God. And we just don't, we just, we're just not And Part of that is because we're living outside of our limits and our limits are gifts. God created us honestly with a limit that we can only really go hard for six days. And one day we actually need to rest. That's a limit in which he's created to us. That is That is a gift. It's not a limitation. It's a gift that he's given to us so that we can be invited to be in a relation with him so that we can stand in all of him. And uh, I hope that you will. I hope that you will position your life in a way where God, that you would be standing in all of Jesus Christ on a regular basis rather than once in a while. And maybe for some of you, you can't even remember the last time you were in awe. So yeah, Sue, well, that's great. I love the way you just kind of tied that up and just share that. It was just really powerful. Really, really powerful. What a theologian. Oh, that's all I have to say. 
<laughs> what a theologian. No, I mean, I yeah. just had such a great five years at Metro, you know, and yeah. um, yeah, it was just such a, I mean, I know I joke about having nightmares about Jack, but I really don't. I, I really no, don't. No, no, but, but remember when you told me this, we were at the CCDA conference that you were pregnant. I was like so upset. I was like, what? So upset. I was like, wait so a upset. minute, we try, we fail at this position, blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget you. Like, I seriously, it was one of those moments you like literally yelled at me. No, but there's said, a Are reason. There's, I mean, not to go into this. What was the reason? Thing. Take no, me no, back because no. that was so powerful. Well, no, I was like, I don't know the no, reason she's of why kill I this position. yelled at you, but the reason why I was so sure, the only yeah. reason why I did that job was yeah. because I knew God wanted me to do that job. Yeah. And the reason why yeah. I knew was because there were a lot of crazy things that ended up lining up for me to be able to take that job. The first of which <laughs> was that um, my mom had said to me a couple of months before that, like, I have been really praying for you. And like, I feel like God is telling me that something crazy is going to come your way. But it's, I know your instinct is going to be like, no, but don't say no, just pray about it. And I, you, like, Mrs. I even, Lee. and I was like, Thank I don't you, even know Mrs. what Lee. you're saying. You're the bomb. But the second thing was also, that was, I don't know if you remember, but that was right when John was ending medical school. And when you finish medical school, you that last year, you apply for residency. And you can't yeah. really pick the where you go for residency. You, you yeah. choose your top five or something like that. And then those top five programs that you choose rank you and they match you. And the only program that he had applied to in New Jersey was the one in Rutgers. That was the only one. All the other mm -hmm. ones were like in Tennessee, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, like New Orleans, like they were like all over the country. Okay. So I couldn't commit to this job because I was like in six months, I'm going to have to move. I might have to move. Chances are most likely I'm going to have to move out of the state. I can't take on this job and then be mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, six months in, I'm done now. Like that's so irresponsible. Yeah. So I was like, I can't do it. But crazy things happened where not only did my mom prime me, but also um, John's program. So John, the medical school at Rutgers, the Rutgers mm -hmm. head of the orthopedic department said to John, I'm just telling you in advance that if you rank us one, we will rank you one and it will be, you will be here. It's just so you wow. know. And this doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. John was like, yeah, I would love to stay. So six months or like four months before actual match day, when you're mm -hmm. supposed to find out, he found out where we were going to be. And so God was making wow. allowances to be like, I want you to say yes. I want you to be here. Yeah. That is why I was like, I can do this because God's, yeah. God wants me to, that's I'm amazing. just being faithful. See? God's going to make great. it happen. That's awesome. It started off on that note. That's, that's what, amazing. it wasn't me being like, I, I can do it, it because I'm amazing. Yeah, I, mean, what yeah. I, know? I don't even have a kid. Like, I don't know what it's like. Had I known, I may have said no. Yeah. <laughs> but I but knew you, you, God yeah. was calling me, you know, and I, the I signs was, were clear. I, I was thoroughly impressed by how how you came back at me, and I was just like, "Oh no, she's gonna, uh, God's gonna use her powerfully to do this," and He has. So, yeah. So, listen, audience. I just want you, really, if you can, um, maybe you have never taken a Sabbath regularly uh, your entire Christian life, and this has kind of been one of those. Oh my goodness, like what the heck? I do hope that you'll you'll really contemplate, think about it more. If you have any questions, any thoughts, feel free to reach out to us. Um, you can do that. Get all that information at our website, weekpastor.org. Uh, or you can just comment on our social media. We'll do our best to get back to you. But uh, we hope that you will begin to uh, embrace the practice of observing the Sabbath so that you can stand in deeper wonder in all of God on the regular rather than once in a blue moon. So thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you join us next week. Take care. Bye.